Welcome to Kids Doc Talk with Dr. Jenny. Dr. Jenny is a board-certified pediatrician and is the director of telemedicine at Pediatric Associates. Welcome to Kids Doc Talk with Dr. Jenny. Today's guest is Dr. Lital Reitblot, a pediatric endocrinologist, talking all about pediatric obesity. Dr. Reitblot is a pediatric endocrinologist at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital in Hollywood, Florida. She is also board certified in obesity medicine. She went to medical school at the University of Florida, did her residency in pediatrics at Jackson Memorial Hospital, and her pediatric endocrinology fellowship at Yale University. She is married and has three awesome kids. Welcome, Dr. Reitblot. Hi, Dr. Reitblatt. Welcome. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much for having me come. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk to you because I've actually I've had um, pediatric endocrinologists on before. I had one of our mutual friends, Dr. Sarah Hartunger, and we talked about all sorts of like, I called it, I think, endocrine, like potpourri. We just kind of like uh, covered a whole bunch of broad topics. But one thing that I think has been like very topical lately, is, at least in general pediatrics, is the topic of obesity. Um, there's been a lot of like new guidelines and a lot of chatter about it, both socially and like from a medical standpoint. Um, and I know that is a um, interest of yours and um, you have a, a special patient population that you deal with. So I wanted to bring you on and, and just dig in a little bit so so I can learn more. And so our um, our parent listeners um, and caregiver listeners maybe can learn a little bit as well. So first, I, I think sometimes it's confusing when people hear doctors talk about obesity because not everyone realizes that it's necessarily like a medical diagnosis. So I, I guess first, let's start there. Is it a medical diagnosis and why is it important to talk about it in like a medical context? Yes, yeah, so it is a medical diagnosis. It's actually considered a disease. So back in the day, it used to be thought that people who carried extra weight, they just ate too much. And it was just like simple math, calories in, calories out. But now we understand that there's more to that. And there can be medical consequences of carrying extra weight as well as um, it the causes of the person carrying extra weight or not being able to lose the weight is is the whole thing is a chronic medical condition and and why is it important it's important because we know that kids who carry extra weight are going to move on to be adults well first adolescents and then adults that carry extra weight and as we get older and potentially gain more weight then we have higher risk of developing some of the conditions that we think of and when we think of um, somebody you know having obesity so high blood pressure and high cholesterol pre-diabetes or eventually developing type 2 diabetes so it's important to um, address it very early on, well, first prevent it, but then if it does develop, the earlier it gets caught, then the easier it is to treat it so that it doesn't move on to the severe cases that we see sometimes. So I think that a big challenge for me, and even just like as a, as a parent, not necessarily as a doctor, is the idea that like it, it's not such simple math, like calories in, calories out. Sounds like it, it's a little bit more complex. So are there other factors than just like you know, being obese is just like you eat more than, than you actually like burn off. Is there more to it? Yes. Yeah, so there's lots of things. So when I talk to families that come to the office, a lot of times they have been made feel like it's their fault, like either the parent's fault or the kid's fault. And obviously there is some degree of responsibility in about what people have eaten and like how much exercise they have, but that's not the only factor. There are genetic factors. So there are, there are people that gain weight very easily. And, and most times when people have genetic reasons, it's because of a variety of genes that control that. But very rarely we do have um, people that have one gene that causes them to specifically either have a whole syndrome, so a combination of things 
things that go along with that, or they can have like one thing that causes them to really gain weight and be hungry all the time. And so there's that, but there's also other environmental factors. So there is things that have to do with like chemicals that are circulating everywhere. And whether it's the plastics, we don't really understand fully, but we think that some of these things cause people to gain weight more easily than we used to back in the day. And, and also there can be environmental factors like it's dangerous to go to the park and play, or it's very far because the, the city or the town is very spread up far apart. So we don't really walk places like, you know, in, in some other places. And even bacteria that live in our gut have been implicated in people gaining weight very easily. So there's lots of different the, the list goes on and on and so it's not a simple thing and for most people we're not able to say like haha this is the reason for most of us it's a combination i think that's really important because there is often i find a component of shame when at least a pediatrician maybe addresses it and i've heard unfortunately you know people having really bad experiences where right you have you know child comes in for just a regular well visit and then they're fine and they're healthy and they're thriving right and they're socially well adjusted and the doctor you know it flips the screen and you kind of like they show you the weight curve or they show your bmi and kind of you know that the child or adolescent and oftentimes the parent is made to feel bad and it is made to feel like it's their fault and it's just them you know not not being motivated or being lazy right or, or not not basically not making an effort um and what i'm hearing from you is that may not necessarily be the case there's a lot of factors that are not outside of the control right yeah that's absolutely true and we ask families to obviously take not everything is in our control but the things that we have control over obviously we should try and um, to help but when you're talking about body mass index so it's not the end all be all. It's the way right now that we have to, to screen people to see if they actually fit that box of the definition of obesity for what it's worth. But there is a lot of factors that go into it because a person's weight, some people have very heavy frames, like their bones are heavy and, you know, like say heavy bones. So that is such a thing with a very long so, That's interesting. So I was going to ask you because I, I almost feel like I was taught that, um, it, it's a little bit of like a misnomer, right? Like big bone. But what I'm hearing you say is like, no, like sometimes it is just how somebody's built. And, you know, obviously the bones themselves are not bigger, right? But just like how, how their frame is and kind of how, how they carry the weight. Right. Yeah. So some people, you could have like a bodybuilder, which most of our patients that when we talk about obesity, that's not the case. Most of them actually have extra fat tissue in their body, but you could have somebody that flags as in the obese category, or at least in the overweight category. And really it's because their muscle mass is so high that it, it puts them in that category. So it, it's not the only thing that we look at, but it definitely, it's a quick like way to screen and then once once you look at that number then you look at the patient and then you say well is this really it or or not and but when we're talking about patients which unfortunately i do see kids that are over 400 pounds that's not muscle mass like there's no question about it in that case yes that person truly has obesity and they really need to be helped oftentimes when i talk to patients about obesity or i, I, or I address it at a well visit um with a child or adolescent and with the family i get a little bit of pushback when i start asking questions about what they're eating and how they're moving their body and they really are making good choices and um they they tell me that they're healthy and the rest of the family is healthy and so i think there's this notion that you can be obese and you can be overweight and and be healthy and that the two aren't necessarily mutually exclusive is that true Yes, it's true. But for different people, it happens at different weights. So we do know that the higher a particular person, like the more a particular person weighs, the more likely they are 
they're more likely than their themselves at a lighter weight um, to, to have medical complications of obesity. But what that point is, is different for every person. So you could have somebody that very early on, they gain like a couple of pounds and their body starts complaining already. And they start showing those complications in of obesity that I had mentioned earlier. And then you can have somebody that has really good genetics and they not until they get to way, way, way heavier, like, you know, 200 pounds over their ideal weight, that's when they start showing up in complications of obesity. But the thing is also, we're not talking about trying to, to treat the person like when they are young, we're also thinking about their health in the future. So it could be that, yes, as a seven-year-old with obesity, you're healthy, but that doesn't mean that when you're 20 or when you're 30 or 50 or 70, you're going to continue being healthy at that particular weight. Or if the trajectory, what, what we would normally project is that a person like that will continue to gain weight as we get older. It's a normal thing. So then they're more likely to have health problems. So we're trying to prevent those. And, but the other thing that I also want to say to counter that is what we do want to promote is a, a notion of being happy, Not, you know, healthy, we don't have control over happy, we do have control over we want people to be happy at whatever weight they are, because they look great. I usually when I see patients that I, I start out by saying we're going to be discussing your weight. And so is it okay? And then number two is we're not really you know, I'm not judging you or anything like that. I'm not pointing fingers, but um, this is really important because I want you to be healthy on the inside. And, and part of that being healthy on the inside is also mentally healthy and being okay with who you are and embracing your curves or whatever it is. So actually one thing, one thing that I want to ask, going back to um, kind of this idea that sometimes there's a little bit of shame and blaming, especially when I have these conversations with family. And that's certainly something that, that I really, really want to avoid because I, I do want it to be like just, you know, mutually, mutually beneficial. And I want there to be some, some ownership, but also um, have them, have them feel good about themselves the way that you described. Do you have any, any tools or like any sort of tips of how you speak to families about obesity that takes like the shaming and the blaming out of it? Yeah, so I have an advantage in that by the time they get to me, somebody already had that initial discussion. So they clearly know that they're coming to the office for that. They're not coming for like their ears. But um, I do mention, I, I start out by saying that we're going to be talking about your weight. So usually like a lot, most of the time I'm talking to a kid, especially if it's an, a teenager, if it's a younger child, I may not necessarily address them. And, and I tell them, I said, like basically the same thing we discussed before. I, I That's how I describe it to parents. I say, a lot of times we used to think of a person's weight as, so first I ask permission to prim the kid and um, to see we're going to talk about it. This, your weight is just a number. I don't care about that. You look great. We just want to make sure you're healthy on the inside. And then I move on and I say, like, we used to think of weight as like, it's your fault because you used to, you, you know, you ate too much, you didn't exercise enough, but I know that there's a lot of factors that go into it. And then I mentioned like a few of these crazy factors um, that are, that are involved in it. And then um, after that, then we families that kind of like, they usually have like a big barrier around them. And then that fence kind of falls down when they, when they're told that, and they're like, Oh, this is like the first time that I feel good. Leave, you know, that's kind of the feedback that I, that I get when they leave that it's not I wasn't like pointing fingers at them. And I still, there's a lot of things we can't change. So they still need to eat healthy. They still need to exercise. But I've, but also like, I, I obviously also offer some other treatments, which we'll talk about, but at least they know that it's not just them. There's people that have different metabolisms. They, you know, they burn things. They eat like lettuce and tomato and they gain weight. Whereas, you know, their little friend at school can eat like a bunch of candy and like, they're still like a little stick. 
Okay, I I hear that, and I actually really love that approach. So we we'll, we'll I want to talk a little bit more about like the kind of uh, factors that you're probably a little bit more in tune to, and maybe some treatments that people may not know about. But let's first talk about kind of like the, the basics, right? So things that right, eating healthy and moving your bodies. So I think that people hear that all the time, and intuitively makes sense, but it's probably not so easy. So what are some like common challenges that families face when they are trying to address obesity um, in a child? So I say the strongest one is inertia because it's very hard to make changes. I mean, us as adults find it very hard to make changes and imagine making a, a change for a child who may not really understand or may think that they're getting punished. And also it's very hard. The whole family has to make the change. So we can't have the whole family like eating French fries and, and burgers and then give the, the person that might need to lose weight um, to eat tomato and lettuce. Like that kid's not really going to be affected. So the whole family has to do it together. And, and that's very hard to do. There is the, the things that I hear from families are lack of time. And so just they don't have time to make whole meals, etc., that are made from scratch money um, because it's also way more expensive to buy to buy whole um, fresh vegetables and whole meals etc than like to go to the um, mcdonald's or something like that and get something that's much cheaper ramen noodles that's like a favorite somehow and the other thing is time to exercise safety of finding facilities to exercise in um, and those are kind of the the biggies that keep coming back but it's also we're just wired to like these foods that are that are higher in fat and higher in, in sugar content. And there's advertisement. There's like so much, actually it's harder to find healthy foods than it is to find this like unhealthy foods in, in the store or like cereals that so you really have to dig hard to find those, those really health ones, the, the healthy ones. So that's, that's really tough. Um, let's maybe talk about some of the things that you can offer or right that, that uh, right. Maybe either a gastroenterologist or an endocrinologist like yourself who works with these patient populations. What are some actual treatments for obesity? So the thing that has to come, so number one, we need to recognize, well, obviously ideally we would want to prevent it. Once it's found, then we definitely want to like identify it, like find out that it's there. And then because then we can move forward. So part of the treatment involves like screening for medical issues of obesity. The other part of the, of the situation is to create some sort of healthy lifestyle and um, that's very intensive. So eating healthier and exercising. And in the eating healthier, we used to think that lower fat was like fats are like the really bad ones, they're the ones to avoid. Now we're realizing that, yes, obviously that's still important, but the carbs are the really bad players. And those probably are even more important to, to try to limit to a, to a certain extent. And so th those things. And then when that doesn't work or if that doesn't work, then we move on to we have the option for, for other kids that are older and, and might, might not have responded to more conservative things. There are medications to help people lose weight. And those right now are approved for 12 and older. And then there are some, for those kids that are very extreme, which usually we say if you're over 100 pounds, your ideal body weight, then that's going to be almost impossible to lose all that weight and keep it off for a substantial period of time. So even diet and exercise alone, you may be able to lose some or a portion of it or even the whole thing, but you'll regain it. And medications, you might be able to lose some of it. But if that doesn't work, the most effective is actually surgery to help a person lose weight and to fix the metabolic derangements that are going on that make the body think that you're supposed to weigh that much 
because that's part of the problem with obesity is the body defends that extra amount of fat being like tissue in the body. And so, so that surgery is, you know, initially it was only for adults. And then um, recently it had been offered to like 15 and older. And the newest guidelines say that even 13 and older should be considered for that. And so that's not like your typical kid that doesn't fit into their bikini and gain like an extra 10 pounds. Obviously that's not the population, but we're talking about the 300 pound, 400 pound children. There, there's no other way that they'll lose it. So that should be a consideration for them. So I, I actually, I want to talk about medication for obesity because this really was not on my radar so much until very recently when the AP, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with obesity guidelines and they seemed almost, I don't want to say aggressive, but they, they were very forthcoming, I think, with information about um, medication and almost um, encouraged, um, I, I guess, being comfortable starting medication um, in, in children. So tell me a little bit about, is that kind of like the tides are changing and that is, you know, very much the thinking right now in the field that medication should be started sooner rather than later? Or are we just kind of starting to learn about how this works together with like healthy lifestyle changes? Yeah, so, I mean, it's all a, a working process, but yeah, medications should be started because the, the thought process before, and, and this is kind of like the in the guidelines, this is the new thing. People used to be thinking like, oh, this is just the baby fat. They're going to outgrow it. When they go through puberty, they'll have a growth spurt. They'll thin out because maybe in our generation or the generation for, from our parents, that's what used to happen because we used to be outside playing a lot more. And, and that was the truth. But in this current generation, our kids are just not as active as they used to be, as we used to be. So there, we don't have that, you know, generally if a kid has extra weight, they're going to continue to struggle with their weight even more as they get older. So the, the earlier we address it, the better. So because we consider obesity as a medical problem, because it is, and just like high blood pressure and diabetes, if a person has high blood pressure or type 2 diabetes and they're not responding to lifestyle changes, nobody would feel bad about starting them on cholesterol medication, high blood pressure medication, metformin for their, for their diabetes. And so it's not really like cheating or anything like that. So weight loss medication is the same thing. And what we're realizing is we're addressing all the complications of obesity with medications for cholesterol, high blood pressure, whatever, when really we should just be addressing the underlying problem, which is the obesity. So if you treat that, then you won't need the 17 other medications that people end up getting put on later on in life. So that's why there's such a push to change the way we're addressing things. That, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think I, probably just because I, I haven't had so much experience with this, like initiating medication, um, I probably don't have such a high comfort level with it. But I could see a, a question, if I'm going to discuss this with the family, probably the first question they're going to have is, um, am I like am I married to this medication? In other words, is this like a long term thing? We said oh, and acknowledge that obesity is a medical condition. Um, we know that it's it's very challenging to address both on our side medically and for the patient to make all the lifestyle changes that we know they need. So, is this a forever medication? Right. So that I have that discussion with the patient. So I tell them, don't expect that this is going to be like when you have a ear infection, you take an antibiotic for seven to 10 days, and then it went away. This is not a cure. This is a treatment for a chronic medical condition. But I do tell them, it doesn't mean you're specifically married to this particular medication. Maybe 
there will be something better in, down the line or something like that. But if you were to come off the medication, if you have high blood pressure and your blood pressure is very well controlled, and then you come off your blood pressure medication, nobody in their right mind would think that their blood pressure is going to be normal when they're off their medicine. Their blood pressure will go right back up where it was before you started the medicine. With um, a person's weight, it's the same condition. So if you lost 100 pounds on phentermine, for example, which is one of the, the medications, and you come off of it, the weight, the body remembers what the most you ever weighed was and tries to go back to that, unfortunately. And so if you have developed healthier lifestyle, etc., maybe you won't gain the entire 100 pounds, maybe you'll get 70 of those pounds over, over a short period of time. And so it is, it's very remarkable how much the body remembers and it really tries to defend that amount of fat in the body. And it goes right back to that. We don't, we haven't figured out a pill that will, or an injection that, that like a hundred percent resets the, the, uh, the weight that the body thinks it's supposed to have. The only thing that does that is the, the surgery for weight loss. That does that is an end all be all. Yes, yeah, sure, people can gain can regain the weight, but the majority of, of times it doesn't have to happen if you're following the, the instructions. With the medications, it goes right back. So it is considered a long term. I mean, you wouldn't treat a short, uh, a chronic medical condition like thinking that you're going to put a patch on it and then it's gonna it's gonna be solved like very quickly. That's so interesting, but I do want to emphasize that, and probably you spent a lot of time counseling patients on this, that the medication is not a replacement for all the lifestyle changes. Like the lifestyle changes has to, it sounds like you, you expect for that to begin right before the idea of medication is even introduced and you kind of, you, the two things need to both be part of the treatment. Yes, that's very true. And so I tell them like, it's, there's no magic, whatever, you're not going to lose weight on your own. But what I find sometimes is that when I start the medication, before people have started medications, there's a lot of defeated attitude. Like, why should I try? I'm never going to succeed because they've tried so many times and so many times they've succeeded. You know, they, they've been able to succeed a small amount and then they, it goes right back to where it was. So they stop trying. Um, but when they start taking the medication, they start seeing results of what they're doing. And then, then they actually on purpose choose the healthier foods and they choose to exercise because they're feeling great. And, and the more they put into it, the more results they're getting. So it's a little bit of a, a good cycle of, of events. And so it's a really nice thing to see. I have one of the things, you know, we always talk about complications of obesity being high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, but one of the complications of obesity is um, mental health issues. Yeah. So depression. So a lot of times the kids come in and they're crying the entire visit at the beginning. And then all of a sudden they're given the tools to succeed and they come back and they're so happy and they're, they're choosing healthier lifestyle for themselves because they, they really want to, like before the parents tell me before I used to have to force them to eat their carrots and to go to the gym. And now they're choosing it on their own because they really want to. So it, it's very powerful to be able to help people in that way. That's amazing. That's super rewarding. So I, I think I, I, these medications, right, are still relatively new and probably learning learning more and more about them. But I'm hopeful that they continue to to develop and we continue to lower the barriers that right now we've kind of created for these kids and these families to seek care. Mm -hmm. Anything, this has been super, by the way, I love this topic. I think there's so much more to say about it. But anything else that you want to mention or any other major takeaways? I'm trying to think if there's anything else no i mean it's just a matter of probably there isn't enough people that treat 
kids with obesity for it for the the need is huge and that's why it would be awesome if pediatricians can get started because there aren't enough specialists for for this and the the guidelines also request that insurances start covering because if if it is a covered benefit then i think more people will start doing it once pediatricians get comfortable with that that would be amazing (laughs) because it'll alleviate the the bottleneck like i'm so full i have one patient and then nine months like the next time i can see is in nine months obviously i can't do a good job like that oh okay yeah so i i think a good good takeaway for me as a general pediatrician is to educate myself more on how like the at least the, the physiology of it a little bit more understand that it's complex and empower my families and my patients to learn more about the tools and educate myself about the different tools that i can offer families Okay, well, wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for joining us on Kids Talk Talk.